That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? I believe in Gotham City. Jeff Loeb. The Long Halloween. October everyone the spooky time of the year has returned once again and here on Bat Force Radio we love Halloween this episode starts the Batman long Halloween countdown to Halloween day this will be the first of four episodes going through this epic story three issues at a time with the exception of the finale episode which will cover the last four issues making up the 13. The Long Halloween is one of the greatest Batman stories ever told, and many actually consider it to be the best story, or stand shoulder to shoulder with The Dark Knight Returns as far as its scale of being an epic legend and standing the test of time. The Long Halloween first debuted in 1996 as a 13 issue crime mystery action thriller of a comic book series. The story is masterfully written by Jeff Loeb and cinematically as well as brilliantly illustrated by Tim Sale. The story takes place during Batman's second year with the origin of Two-Face and a war with the Falcone crime family, all with interferences in between from Gotham's most notorious rogues and a serial killer known as Holiday that strikes on every holiday throughout the year from Halloween to Halloween. This story influenced a great deal of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy and became such a rare stroke of lightning that many influences wanted the writer to deliver another one where Dark Victory and Hush would try to reach up at its level of literary and cinematic achievement. Quite commonly, people who may not even be Batman fans first reference The Long Halloween as a book they have read and were absolutely captivated by. Batman The Long Halloween is recommended to anyone. Read along with us. This is Robo Rich, and you are now tuned in to Bat Force Radio. All right, we're back with Bat Force Radio, full house tonight. Oh, and it couldn't be any other way because, it, well, happy October, everybody, and October, the Halloween month, and. To do it justice, we are covering the Batman masterpiece, The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Cinematic crime mystery masterpiece that Jeff Loeb has written in. Tim Sale has just portrayed visually like no other. Um, And just to do a quick background story on it, to quote Jeff Loeb about how it all came to fruition, basically back in... uh, Oh, years ago in the old base when they when they had comic cons in basements and um, people running around with tryout pages like even like the likes of Liefeld and whatnot just trying to get work the artists and anyway, what struck Jeff Loeb was when he saw one of uh I guess t- what would be Tim Sale's pages and Loeb loved it because the way he described it was that Tim Sale knew how to draw ugly people 
if that makes any sense. I guess that's uh, an angle that Loeb was going for in that current book. So he uh, he asked, who's this guy? And the guy was like, hey, his name is Tim Sale. So Loeb was like, we have to find this guy. And they pretty much found him in the corner somewhere, pitched some work or whatnot. And Loeb pitched the initial idea for their first um, partnership where Tim Sale would say, yeah, that sounds cool. Um, Loeb was back and forth between doing movies and writing comics because comics was his passion. So he uh, he pretty much put Tim Sale through the ringer, though. He uh, coming from his background, they would correspond, and Loeb would tell Tim such things as, "Oh, can you push the camera closer to his face?" And Sale would be like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "You know, push the camera closer to his face." He's like, "You mean you want me to redraw the whole panel?" And Loeb was like, well, yeah, I guess. So this went on for quite some time, uh, these two. And then, you know, the the classic uh, Legends of the Dark Knight Batman run started uh, back, you know, in 89. And uh, Tim Sale did the Cavalier run. Entitled Blades. And it was very popular. And they never wanted to repeat teams in the, in the Legends of the Dark Knight run. But um, Tim Sale was very popular at the time. It was up and coming. And they... I believe they contacted him where Tim mentioned that he wanted to do it with Jeff Loeb. And Jeff Loeb couldn't believe it because of the, because <laughs> of the, uh, the, I guess, the hell he put him through with the, um, the last book. But that's what um, Tim wanted. When they were approached, it wasn't to do another run within the ongoing series and the issue numbers, but standalones. And what inspired Jeff Loeb was um, a story that Neil Adams did. Uh, it was a Halloween, I believe it was a Halloween story that took place in Rutland, Vermont. Inspired by that, he wanted to do something like that. So basically, this was big. Tim and uh, Tim C. and Jeff Loeb were people knew they were up and coming. They, they they knew that they were bringing quality work to comics at that time. So what happened was they got a deal. They got what was called a prestige format. It was a larger standalone issue, larger page count, almost with a spine, and with a foil cover as well for their Halloween specials. The Legends of Darkness Halloween special, an annual that would occur around Halloween. And it was priced at six ninety nine. Now thinking back at that time, in like mid nineties, that's it's pretty astronomical. We're about three dollar issues. Right, right, you're going back to the mid nineties with that price. That's, that's unheard big. of at that time. Right, with a foil cover. They didn't know what was to come of it. They didn't think it was I I don't know if Jeff Loeb was that um, what he expected from it or not, they just did it, and it sold 100,000 100, units at 6.99. So they were golden. They wanted they wanted them to keep doing it. Um, this is one of my favorite stories um, that Jeff Loeb told. It was real quick though, where Tim Sale was at Jeff Loeb's house for Halloween, and Tim Sale carved the pumpkin with that iconic Batman mouth face. Jeff Loeb was like, that has to be the cover. And Tim Sale was like, nah, you sure? It should be more Dark Knight. I don't know if and it, but Loeb wanted it. And that was what is now one of the most iconic, I guess, Batman images ever. Because everyone, whenever you see that image, you know that that's not just a, a typical Halloween decor piece. That's the iconic, uh, that's symbolism for one of the greatest Batman stories ever told. So I, I always love that story, thinking back at how they're just hanging out. It, it reminds me of that scene right, side, right outside of Harvey Dent's house when the trick-or-treaters are leaving. After getting candy, they did three Halloween specials that compiled to be the what we know as the Haunted Night now. Jeff Loeb said that Tim Sale was getting really good at his craft when Ghosts was being put out. All right. So it was at the 96 Convention Center, I think he recalls, where um, 
the the publisher Archie Goodwin, he approached Jeff Loeb, and he said he was looking to do something longer. <laughs> he had an idea, something more gangster, something more noir. What was really cool is that Archie approached Frank Miller and asked him if he was going to use any of the characters out of Year One because he wanted to incorporate you know, mafia into this story and see what uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale could do with it. Got permission to use Carmine Falcone, um, which is a really big thing. And at that time, uh, Tim Sale was hungry. He was just ready to go. He was like, it was it was just all aligning and meant to be. It was going to start off as prestige format, but with bookends. This was going to be a run. So basically, what I mean by bookends is that it was going to be a year-long 13-issue run, but the first and last issue would be in prestige format to form bookends for the whole run. The editor, Archie, was the one who came up with the long Halloween. I guess, if you think about it, they were doing a Halloween special each year, and I guess now, because it was so popular, he wanted he wanted a long Halloween. And it was a year-long murder mystery that incorporated everything that we could expect from a year two Batman universe, and it was also a Harvey Dent origin story and it was and it just incorporated so many different things and so many different classic characters it, it it just stood the test of time and a lot of people including your your guys friend kevin smith along with a lot of industry creatives that <laughs> that pump stuff into batman they all he, which he is he, my friend yeah thank you which he confirmed said that they feel that the long halloween stands shoulder to shoulder with dark knight returns on that level being the how it stands the test of time. And just the, the format of it, it was just how he incorporated everything from cinema to, to the creative holiday theme and concept. And I always said that Batman and Halloween kind of go together like peanut butter and jelly anyway. And it's just, I, I'm surprised it hasn't been tried. You know, I, I feel like they've just nailed it so well that not too many people after that have really tried to enter that territory because of how just how impactful it was and just how appropriate it was for Batman's legacy. So I guess what I would like to ask you guys is, uh, do you remember the first time you read The Long Halloween? It was actually how I got back into comics. Really? It was Yeah, it was the first trade I picked up. Mm. Um, fucking Gary was like, grab this, and he grabbed a few other ones, and that was the first one I read. Right. Uh, and was completely blown away by it. I was like, wow. For me, I remember when the first issue came out. And, you know, I just love Batman and Halloween, so it was a no-brainer. I, rem- I, was, I remember just pulling them as, as they were actually coming out when they came out. And it was, it was so great because every single cover was just so brilliant. Even, even the topography and the header down to the color scheme, because it would be a flat color, it would be minimalistic, but then it would have a different holiday and a different rogue. So and and you knew there was a murder mystery going on, so you knew something else was occurring too. Was, so it was just in all the simplicity there was just so much within every issue every month that you're like fiending to see what happens next. Like, oh who's the next, who's on the next cover? What's the next color scheme? What happens next? It it felt like more than a comic book. It's funny that you mentioned uh, each cover being so minimalist and so simplistic because as you read through the story, the farther in you read, the deeper and the more complex the story got. And I had never read anything in comics that was that deep. Just when you think, okay, I, I, I know what's going on here, then things change. really have to pay attention to his panels because even though he uses a lot of empty space... He, he's very impact. There's a lot of impact in in the lines that he does use, and and there's small little details that you have to pay attention to that add to the story. 
especially like the fight scenes because you know, there's like one scene where Joker kicks Harvey Dent right in the crotch and if, if you just kind of glance through it you could miss his foot just because of the way that the figures are drawn but there's just a lot of small little nuances in Tim Sale's art which is pretty cool he's like the master of shadows that's yes. what I picked up when, it, yes. when I first read it I'm like he, he loves shadows dark heavy shadows I mean it's 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 so different than a lot of other people's a lot of people try to cram every panel full of as much lines as they can and he's quite the opposite he likes to let let the darkness shape the forms that he's drawing he works Batman into the background yeah amazing. So well. it's yeah real absolutely he um yeah he's he's definitely been described as one of the masters of shadows he's definitely an artist's artist just perfect noir artist in a way i feel now after reading it so many times it's like you're watching a movie through a comic book well i think that's probably one reason why jeff Loeb liked to work with him so much and and saw the potential because he was like here's a guy that you know he can like you said, focus in on certain areas and stuff like that. His his art style allows him to you know create the image that Loeb sees in his head. Uh, the the trade paperback version of Long Halloween uh, from maybe like 2008 or something. I think it's still the one that's in print. Has the uh, foreword from Chris right. Nolan and I think David Goyer. Right. And they right. they mentioned the same thing, how they drew from Long Halloween for for their Batman trilogy because it was so cinematic. Exactly. They definitely did. The well, whole, everything with Harvey Dent. I, I yeah, exactly. Like Harvey Dent. It's, yeah. Also. The, you, the burning the money scene. Right, the yeah. burning the money scene. And also Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Dent, and Batman on the rooftop by the Bat Signal. Yeah. That was yeah. in Long Halloween. Dude, that's, but, uh, yeah, that's the first thing I remembered is that's the, the scene in Dark Knight when they're on the rooftops like that, and then when Batman first meets Harvey Dent, yeah. with Gordon right there, and he just, oh, yeah. you know, he's like, gentlemen, so badass, dude. <laughs> right under what Tom was saying, when Batman's in front of the symbol, I mean, when I was reading it, I kind of had that, you know, the animated series, you know, music, every time you saw Batman, uh, right. you know, dun, 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 I was like, oh, shit. You brought up the animated series. I think the first time I ever read The Long Halloween it was really similar. Like I walked into a comic shop. I hadn't read Batman in the longest, and um, one of the first, you know, I asked, "Hey man, I'm like, what's the best Batman stuff I could read?" And the guy pulled the Long Halloween. He pulled the Dark Knight Returns, and he pulled Hush. Right. And he gave <laughs> all three of those to me, and he goes, "Read That's all." That's a good way to start. And yeah, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. the thing, the thing that I noticed is obviously all three. The art is completely different. The storytelling is very different. And what stood out to me the most from The Long Halloween, I think, was that noir style reminded me a lot of, you know, what I was most familiar with was the animated series at the time. Right. And, it, you know, just that darkness, the shadows, like Ramps was saying, um, it was just like, you know, it's just such a, it's such a, like, a gritty, like, kind of like, think Goodfellas or, like, uh, The Godfather yeah. Part Two, where yeah. it's just, like, Dude. gritty, you know what I mean? Like, Mario. it's... Yeah, like a gangster. Jeff Loeb has definitely drawn a lot from The Godfather, especially with the opening issue with uh, yeah, Falcone and everything. That's the wedding scene. Right. Yeah, yeah. the total Godfather right there. There's and, another, there's another and reference, too. The panel where they're in the room and he's at his desk and the shades are closed, that's 
directly from Godfather. Mm. Yeah, they're in a dark. They're in a dark room meeting. They're doing conducting yes. business yeah. during his, his uh, during a, a wedding. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and then Harvey, Harvey Dent, going outside and looking at all the license plates, just yeah. like yeah. the FBI agents. <laughs> and then Sonny Corleone comes out and he breaks their camera. You know. Yeah, definitely described as a homage that uh, Jeff Love was paying to the Godfather in this as well. How how good is that? Halloween Batman and the Godfather wrapped up in one cannoli, you know? Just like just... every every great genre ever. Yeah. Tragic cannoli. And it's it's not surprising for Loeb to draw so much from movies because of his background Absolutely. in film. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. the first two screenplays that he wrote both got picked up for movies, and they were, I believe, Commando and Teen Wolf. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, Jeff Loeb. <laughs> But uh, just a, a quote, David Goya, real quick. David Goya, David Goya states that um, the Long Halloween is. Let, the, let people know who David Goya is, because I don't think many people might not know. He's the famed screenwriter. So give him a little background on David Goya. Uh, he's a screenwriter for, I believe it was uh, Begins and The Dark Knight. I'm not sure if it was Rises, but for sure those two. Right. I think no, uh, Jonathan Nolan did Rises. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Goya has had his hands in in much of the DC. Um, motion picture recently. Right, and David yeah. Goyer has stated that The Long Halloween is the most ambitious Batman story ever told. And following that, Christopher Nolan said that The Long Halloween is more than a comic book. It's an epic tragedy. So definitely using cinematic terms for the book as well, which I really like. Yes, and, I love that. It totally, like, it's... That tragedy is the best way to describe it. Like, mm. that, you know, like a... Almost like a fucking play. Like, uh... You know, the rise and fall of fucking Hamlet with uh, Harvey Dent. And we mentioned this in the year one episode where we felt that year one was the strongest influence for Batman Begins. Now we could start to see that Long Halloween was probably the strongest influence Dark for Knight. the Dark Knight, right? So that's probably why yeah. those two movies were so damn successful. What they were drawing from was straight gold, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. what's awesome is uh, that forward that, that Robin's talking about where um, Chris Nolan talks about the influence that it had. Uh, if you go into the special edition um, extra features for The Dark Knight, I think it's included in like the standard edition, but for sure, if you got that collect three discs of extra bonus features, uh, one per movie. And one of the things they do, Nolan and Goyer go into detail about how Long Halloween was like the biggest influence specifically on the relationship between Gordon, Harvey Dent, and Batman, how the three of them are working behind, uh, you know, behind the scenes, or all three of them are working towards the same goal, and they all have different roles to play. You got... Gordon working with B, you got Harvey Dent because he's the district attorney, and then you got Bats, who's kind of like operating outside the law the whole time. So he's almost like the he's he's like the place that those two guys can't go. You know, mm. um, they're limited, yeah. but Batman is like unlimited in his potential. Mm. So they, well, they totally like use that. Yeah, well, I mean, like when they're up on the rooftop and they're talking, and I don't know, I'm sure we'll talk about it when we talk about the individual issues. But I mean, I like how. Even from that, from issue one, you start seeing Harvey kind of, you know, be a little bit okay with getting close to that line. And when they're on the rooftop, Gordon even tells them, you know, by the book. You know, they even use direct quotes from this, The Long Halloween in, in The Dark Knight. You know, I believe in Harvey Dent. That's, I mean, that's straight from yeah. this book. Batman, The Long Halloween, a 13-issue crime mystery noir piece of brilliance, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale. Uh, delivered us such good things and it's labeled in the beginning 
a Dark Knight Halloween special in 13 parts. But between, in, in the middle of the sentence, there's a big um, space where the title of the issue is. So that's really clever. And issue one is uh, entitled Crime. Um, you guys got your books out? Basically, uh, what always stood out to me with this story, and I love to death, is, is the very first page. Um, oh, yeah. It, it, it just, to me, it just sucks me in. You know, it's very simple, and he's just standing there, and he just says, I believe in Gotham City. And you just want to know what follows that, what, what you know, everything behind that. It made me want to know what they were talking about, about before. Exactly. It's, you know? Yeah. Because it's a bold yeah. statement, and it's a bold image. Already, you're, already you know that once you open this page, you're... You're embarked on a serious journey. This is a serious story, so I. Always... And then not only that, but like the fact who, who the people are who are having the conversation. I mean, I think one of the, the biggest things for me when I first read it was, you know, that's Bruce Wayne talking to fucking Carmine Falcone. Right, and that's like, serious. It, like, what the hell? Like, our our your father was a good friend of mine, Bruce. It's like what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, <laughs> you don't you don't really you, for the longest time I never saw. Bruce Wayne or Batman being close at all to any of the corruption in Gotham, but then you start, really, you know, pull back the layers and you see that he's directly, you know, related to all these things that are going on around him, and it's like, wow, this is you're, you're like seeing a whole new kind of like Bruce Wayne, you know? Right. Yeah. And, for, and mind you, we're in year two. Everything is still still really fresh, and Batman's still uh, knees deep in corruption in Gotham City. With you know, because yeah. the gangsters are still running it. There's still a lot of a lot of a lot of mess to clean up everywhere. But right now, he's in the middle of um, Johnny Vitti, Is it? That's the son of. Um... Yeah, Johnny Vitti. Oh, that's his nephew. He's nephew. Right. Yeah, the nephew. So Johnny Vitti's getting married. They're at the wedding, and that's the nephew of Carmine the Roman Falcone. Bruce is there, and also Selena Kyle is, is um, in the crowd as well, isn't she? Yeah. It up. And, 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 oh, yeah. And we, we, you can suspect pretty early, and then it's confirmed later, uh, how her presence at the wedding was basically just a case of the joint. Exactly, and yeah. and I very similar to the Dark Knight Rises when she's there as the uh, the uh, waiter, yeah, the waitress role. Ex- yeah. Exactly. If anyone is on page three, I mean, I'm sorry. If anyone is on page five, including uh, our listeners, whoever's going to hop on, uh, the bottom right panel. I love this panel, and this is for one reason alone. And that is, uh, Bruce Wayne is against the door where. Um, Outside of Falcone's uh, office, it seems to be. He's doing surveillance. He gets caught. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, there, there's, a, there's a shadow cast, what seems to be like from a window, with three stripes. And those stripes really resemble cat claws or cat, scra- uh, cat scratching to me. And uh, to me, that I think that's a great way. I just love the way he foreshadows, because not only do you see those three um, lines that resemble scratches along... The wall, but on the other panel, you see the three scratches along Carmine Falcone's face, and that's and that's ri- and that's right before we're introduced to Selena Kyle uh, in at the wedding. So mm-hmm. Tim Sale is just a master. I think he's just a master at foreshadowing. I just love the way he foreshadows, and he does another one that we're gonna Actually, get to. I love Tim Sale's art, and I love the way he draws a, a very eerie Batman and Catwoman. Good eyes on uh, Catwoman casing the place. So she returns to um, what, what appears to be uh, Falcone's residence, city residence, and uh, 
cracks open the safe, but Bats inter um, interferes, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, he flies in on that same glider that he had in year one. Yes, excellent yep. observation. And that's so great because all we have is an actual silhouette of it. So, really, yeah. really nice eyes. He does come back in on the, the Bat hang glider. Uh, swoops in and has this iconic quick fight. I love this part because he's, in, he's interfering with Catwoman trying to rob Falcone safe, right? And they're going at it, and Tim Sale just draws it beautifully on the splash page. And then, oh, yeah. right following that, Falcone's men just break in and start shooting at both of them. It's just it's such a movie scene to me, isn't it? Before all that happened, I love the part where, uh, you know, Harvey Dent, he's in the garage checking out the license plates and gets his ass kicked and selena and bruce kind of interrupt what's going on and then she's like so bruce you have any plans for the rest of the night and he's like oh i'm tired no case and i don't <laughs> but, I mean, to be honest i mean how sexy does catwoman look but i, I i've always loved that that purple that kind of purple outfit oh that classic oh, catwoman yeah, outfit. the best the, it's one of my favorite first, Catwoman I mean, and, and when you first see her at the wedding, I mean, she's drawn sexy, but, you know, kind of with that gritty, almost like, uh, yeah, look. Yeah, exactly. You know, she wants to get in some rich guy's pants. No, no, no. Yeah, what's... <laughs> that splash page. I made the trunk tight, huh? Oh, God. I mean, I love Let's talk about that splash page, because Jesus fucking Christ, man. Yeah. yeah. So good. Hey, let me ask you guys, that that outfit, that classic Catwoman outfit she has on, a semi-classic, that, this was like right before they went over to the new modern Catwoman outfit, isn't it? It's like a, like around that time. It's what we're talking about, like 96? Yeah. 6997 ish Yeah. So that's even... I really like that because... I like that it's even dated a little more in that sense. It, I feel like it's a little more classic even then. Like that, almost like this is from a very different era. That's the you know, splash page. I think the splash page with Catwoman when you first introduce her is the first time when you, I think you see Sale not using all heavy shadow. It's like they're both boom, like they're right there in front of you. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. Well, I love that he he gives he gives each one of them their own page, so you really see him. Clearly, mm. yeah. And can, what about the next page when Batman's cape is just just draped on that oh, rug? Fuck! I, I even wrote that on my little notes about that. I mean, that, that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got my little cheat sheet, you know. Little trunk I made a little yeah, note exactly. on that one there. Just put it in my notepad right there, my marking <laughs> <Trunks> notes. <laughs> You know what's pretty cool before the splash page is, you know, you see Selena looking all sexy, and that's when Bruce is like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of beat. But the next page, Maroney, or Falcone's, uh, you know, scratching his face, and he's got the three scars still from year one. Mm -hmm. And then it's like the transition from Selena, you, you know, he rubbed his cheek, and then next page is Catwoman on the, uh, <clears throat> on that splash page. Hmm. But uh, what also is pretty cool that you're talking about it earlier with the pumpkin on the cover, it's it's got the pumpkin with the three scars on it, like Falcone's face. Oh, shit. LPC. That's pretty cool continuation. Damn. Oh shit! You know, I never thought of that. 
And never that never connected with me. Excellent observation, LPC. He just got himself an Eminem contract. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Eminem does the talking. Oh, got it. Wow, wow, excellent observation. I never and it never that, connected. Uh, with that, me. that part that you mentioned, where it shows Falcone rubbing his scars and then cuts to Selena is a very cinematic transition. Uh, that's the way you would expect to see a character introduced in a film is, you know, a related kind of character shot like that. And mm. then moving into the, the introduction of the character. Yeah. And what's great is that if you look at Falcone, uh, touching his scars, it's only four, uh, wordless panels later that you see the silhouette of her claws. So if you look at both, yeah. if you look at the pages together, the left and the right one, it's almost as if her claws face, you know, on angles facing his face. Yep. So I thought that was kind of cool facing too. Facing him, and then she's scratching that has on to, the ground. That has to have. <laughs> that has to be Jeff Loeb kind of basically giving him instructions like this panel, I want this. This panel, I want this. Put the camera in closer. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it was a match made in heaven with these two. It's Going back to that page, I mean, yeah, you know, Falcon's rubbing his face, but then, you know, you see a shadow. And at first, you know, first time reading it, you know, you think it's going to be Batman because it's got the ears. And then it's not until that splash page where, you know, you see that it's Catwoman. Yeah, it's such a cinematic scene. They're getting shot at like it's cool. Batman drops smoke, and then Falcone comes in. And uh, he's pissed, so he knows it's Selena. They jump out the window, and uh, Falcone pretty much Falcone pretty much puts a uh, million dollar bounty on each of their heads. Is it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, here we. Oh, this is one thing that the Trunkler noticed on page twenty-four of issue one, Crime of the Long Halloween, where the left panel shows a silhouette of Batman and Catwoman chasing uh, Bats is chasing Catwoman throughout the cityscape. And Batman's silhouette somewhat resembles that of a similar image we might be familiar with, that of the Dark Knight Returns with the lightning in the background. Um, mm -hmm. I see a, yeah, definitely. I definitely see a huge similarity. And uh, that's a great homage because, you know, um, like we said earlier, uh, Frank Miller did, I believe, I believe it was Frank Miller, did give them permission to use these gangsters in this one from year one. And. Um, yeah, maybe just a nod back. So, you know, in this point of time, we're really dealing with, like, the best artists and writers that we that we know of that have done Batman so far. So it was a really great time to read this. And this, this chase scene is really cinematic as well. I love how um, that neon sign we see uh, D-I-N-I -I <laughs> for Dini. I don't know if that's cool. co coincidental or not, but uh, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> I'll yeah. take it as a nice nod. So maybe there's a nod to – that could, be, could, could there be a possible nod to Frank on the left and a nod to Dini on the right? I, think, I mean, everything is really calculated in this one, so who knows, right? I mean, it, it's very well possible. It's almost like the camera angle is like if you're on the street looking up. Those camera angles that you mentioned, yeah, that, that sounds like Jeff Loeb's guidance the whole way because it, it's like you really are watching a movie. I definitely yeah. love <laughs> love this panel on the right where Catwoman's jumping from the train tracks, you know, growing up in New York. And then you see him look down. Right. And I wonder if she has nine lives. That's yeah. so good, dude. Right. Just, just looking up at those train tracks where she's jumping and just, you know, 
growing up in New York City, I'm like, oh, that's just so right. That overpass, the site, <laughs> the the parallel to the buildings, it's just they they really nailed it. And then and then moving on to the next page, we have um that Dark Knight scene with Harvey Dent, Commissioner Gordon, and Batman on the rooftop. The way um uh Tim Sale has depicted Batman drawing him in front of that bat signal when he shows up is just perfect. Lighting, shape, design, everything. I love that. Go ahead. I was going to say, it looks like he's bigger than the other characters. Uh, you know, the other panels below that image, you know, Batman's bigger than Gordon and Bullock. It's just, I don't know. It gives yeah, him what he did with Harvey, what Tim Sale did, if you look at the pages, and it's on a few of them, you only see half his face or... On the one side of his face, you see a shadow. I fucking love oh, good that. Good call, dude. man. Like that I, is so good. Like I said, the foreshadowing from Tim Sale, you're absolutely right. It's just perfect. Like on page 28, half of his face, the lighting is very cold, blue, almost mm-hmm. purple. Yes, yes, yeah. when he's talking to Gordon. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So damn good, man. Great foreshadowing. Classic scene. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this has Dark Knight written all over it as well. This, And they only took bits and pieces of this for the Dark Knight. Can you imagine a long Halloween movie? I mean... Oh, one can wish, right? One can dream. Hell, I'd be happy with an animated movie. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Yeah, that's true. Falcone, he wanted to launder money and through one of, uh, I think, Bruce Wayne's banks or something that has to do with Bruce Wayne. And yeah, yeah, at least something that he was on the board of. or Right. He, he held uh, some clout. Mm. Uh, so I think he was on the board or something. Right, and he was he was not happy about that. Um, and this guy, Daniel. The, Daniel. All right, so he's the one trying to make <laughs> it happen. He's the one who's been getting all this money from them and living a very nice lifestyle due to the dirty money. So Batman shows up at his mansion and pretty much leans on him, which is really cool. He, I love the very next page. He's like, "You're fucking not doing this, buddy." Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that, Fuck you. That, out of out of all of the. Uh, out of all of the scenes in this, in this first amazing issue so far, that that page where Batman just shows up in his mansion and just like leans at him and says, "To tell him to keep the Falcone money out of the bank," that really yeah, that really got me going. That's so Batman to really you know apply that pressure oh, yeah. that he can to use it. You know, again, is that more of a nod to year one? Because you know, you know, beginning panels is like Gotham City of Eden. Well, so I mean, this is just like a one case scenario of Dick Daniels huge palace palatial mansion right and then the same panel the falcone money keep it out of the bank you only see that man's eyes exactly right yeah yeah so uh dick daniel resigns and the falcones are not too happy about that <laughs> um and uh J- johnny vd comes back from italy the nephew and pretty much uh shoots him out of the uh shoots dick daniel right outside of the uh what appears to be a movie theater or a Broadway play. Yeah, As a subtle way of voicing their displeasure oh, with his decision to step down. Right. And you know, it kind of reminds me of a crime, a little crime alley scenario almost, you know, there's right outside of the theater gunned down. Yeah. Um, and then on the next page we have um, where it all gets really interesting and cinematic. You know, holiday for listeners out there is the uh, serial killer, the mystery serial killer that's whacking off everyone and nobody knows who it is. Basically, the panels would be black and white when they would cut to holiday or whatever this killer was doing. As we see in the next page, where he would uh, shave off the serial number of the gun, the handgun. So 
uh, I really like that feel when it just goes black and white because it's almost as if things are getting uh, really serious, really um, wordless, and uh, you know something's about to take place. In them black and white pictures, it's just basically no words. Well, it is no words, and it just paints a fucking perfect picture of what's happening. Right. And right. who, you know, like this mystery that's starting to unfold. Right. It's like photographs when a lot of people take black and white photography because you focus in more. Less, less, the less of the colors, the less distracting everything is. So that's what they could always got the black and yeah. white. Definitely. Um, I, w- I was. I wonder if there's some some significance to the uh, serial number itself. Like, like we're saying the whole time. Tim Sale draws these panels in black and white of somebody sand. What appears to be sanding off the serial number of this handgun, and then using a baby's pacifier as a silencer on the nozzle, and then it cuts right to a baby's pacifier on the counter. Of uh, Barbara and Jim Gordon's um, kitchen, uh, really interesting. They call. Uh, I love. That. I love that. And then the next page, it cuts to where Harvey is in the basement, fucking with the. Uh, right. With his tools, so it's like, right there, you're probably thinking that he might be the. You know what I'm saying? Right. They're steering the you killer. in that direction. They just thrown you in all yeah. different directions and. You're, this is the first issue, so you're trying to figure out what's going on. The next panel in black and white again. Uh, it appears a murder is about to occur. We have uh, uh, Carmine Falcone. <laughs> Falcone's nephew, Johnny Vitti, in, uh, drew himself a bath. He's in the bath tub, and all of a sudden, a hand walks. Uh, a hand moves in on the door with a handgun, and boom, shoots him right in the head. To be, I, yeah, I believe it's dead. He leaves a handgun on the floor with the pacifier and a pumpkin to symbolize the current holiday, which is Halloween, I don't think. So, I love the, I love the red mm-hmm. in the yeah, bathroom. It's fucking awesome. Right. Everything's black and white except for blood. Yeah, that was badass. So good. And then we cut over to Commissioner Gordon's office with Batman and Harvey Dent. And on page 40, and I love this fucking panel where it's just it just captures everything I think about Gotham City. Just Batman in the shadows in Gordon's office. Gordon looking tired and stressed as ever. Even through the glasses with his l- lamp right over his desk with an old telephone that resembles the red telephone from the 66 show that I just noticed. And uh, the, ep- the evidence with the handgun, the silencer, and the pumpkin. And, uh... Yeah. You know, they're all talking... Harvey's talking with them, trying to you know, trying to figure out what their next move is, and then in the the next page, which I love as well, because you have Catwoman with those um, what appears to be the uh, what do you call those things? The audio mon- monitoring. Uh, their, their goggles attached to an audio monitor. I don't know if there's a word for that, but she's pretty much surveillancing. Well, she's wearing some night night goggles. Right. Know? Nice surveillance goggles. Right, she's pretty much eavesdropping on the episode, on the uh, the meeting between yeah, the two. I, I don't, I don't know, if, I, I don't know if what she was wearing are supposed to be like those uh, that technology that uh, transfers uh, vibration from you know any sound on as it creates a vibration on the window and uh, translates that into uh, an auto. But Batman knows what's going on the whole time, and just pretty much comes mm-hmm. comes up right behind her. Stating that he believes curiosity killed the cat. Right, she. I love that. He felt yeah. like she wanted to. <laughs> he felt like she wanted to be caught. Like she was just giving herself out in the open to 
to be caught by Batman. And she gives him a tip, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so at this point, Batman and Catwoman have a uh, million dollar bounty on each of their heads. Catwoman gives him the tip of his uh, Carmine Falcone's warehouse filled with cash. Stockpile of cash that he can't seem to launder in any bank now. So, what scene does that remind you guys of? Well, that's from Dark Knight. I mean, when the Joker, you know, <laughs> on the boat. <laughs> and I love it when you turn that page and you see, you know, in the bottom right corner, Batman and Harvey then standing there. and I mean, they're just, they get dwarfed. Because, I mean, the, the, the other 90, you know, 80% of the page is just money. Right. Countless money. And I love what Harvey, the, the, their little talk between each other. Um, you know, Harvey's like, oh, if we were two other guys in a room full of untraceable cash, and then Batman just cuts them off, we're not. Mm. Yeah, but I was just thinking how easy don't. Like, don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so good. That is great. Even right there, you know, just the thought in Harvey's head, like, you know, if we were two other people, you know, who, who no one, no one would ever know. Right. A little bit of cash. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, gotta, I could see how oh, that would oh, be oh, tempting oh. for Harvey because he's, you know, he's the DA, but DAs really don't make a lot of money. I mean, not that much money. <laughs> not that much money, and uh, you could you could see this. He's got a wife. He's mm. got a wife. They live in a small home, and he was just like, you know, if he could just take a little handful, and no one would know it's missing. Uh. Yeah, so this is uh, page 44 and 45, this huge splash page, splash page of a warehouse filled with Carmine Falcone's money, cash money, stockpiles of cash. And, you know, you can see where the, the movie The Dark Knight just took this and brought it right into um, uh, a scene with the Joker burning and all. But in this particular splash page, it's very interesting. I always talk about Tim Sale being an artist that just knows how to foreshadow so well. Maybe with the aid of Jeff Lowe, but when you look at this splash page, right, I see three colors. I see purple from the window. I see white from the light. And I see green in the money. So I'm thinking, what three, um, what rogue would you think um, is, is comprised of the colors purple, green, and white? Well, there you go. Yeah. Joker. And I just thought, yeah. right when I, like, this time reading it, right when I just looked at the whole splash page, I was like, oh, like, ah, the Joker's coming into play. So, yeah, so they pretty much light that motherfucker. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I love when they blow the, um, the old, the, the, the warehouse up pretty, pretty much. And, and, uh, and then it cuts to a part where it says the Roman isn't laughing anymore. <laughs> and then next we have the scene where Harvey Dent goes home and his wife's handing out M&Ms to the kids. <laughs> yeah, I love. I really like this scene. I like the pumpkins outside of the house and the kids trick-or-treating. And uh, I just love that Halloween feel. I really do. Cause I just, maybe because I just love Halloween so much. And then boom! The whole house blows up. Someone blew up Harvey Dent's house. And that, and that I mean, and that wraps up the first issue of the long Halloween entitled Crime. And if that doesn't get you sucked in, what will, I mean, just a serial killer on the loose? A pretty explosive issue. <laughs> Did he say a pretty explosive issue? <laughs> 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 oh, shit. How else would you explain it, though? I mean, fuck's sake, so much shit happens. I believe in M&M's. Robo-rich. Detroit City. Hey, uh, bloke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So we have uh, so issue two of the Batman Long Halloween goes into the next holiday. We go from holiday to holiday for one year, which I really love that concept, how they thread everything together. And this one um, is a Thanksgiving issue, issue number two. And we see Solomon Grundy on the table in front of a Thanksgiving dinner with uh, two skeletons. So interesting. And when you open the page, when you open the book, the first page again clutches you in right away cinematically. Now we have the silhouette of Batman, or just a, a Batman covered in deep shadow with uh, the windows in the background. And he says, Harvey Dent is dead. So now you really want to know what's going on in this issue. And this is a great issue, too, because. Uh, it's very um, uh, police procedural, if you ask me, where they have uh, all these, what appear to be, they call themselves the Irish. Gangsters or hitmen? Thugs, yeah. Thug, yeah, thugs. So this, this is great because it has a lot of detec- detective work involved. All right, they made a bomb to blow up Harvey's house. They found the nail with a serial number. Do nails even have serial numbers on them? I don't know, but I love that <laughs> panel because he's just like, gives him all these facts and he's like, okay, you caught me. Yeah, so basically Batman traced this nail to a hardware store blocks away from this criminal, this Irish criminal. Mickey. <laughs> That's fucking jerk off. Yeah. So so Mickey and the boys taking a hit, these Irish thugs. Batman gets them due to some good detective work. They got him in the holding cell. It's really cool too because Bats this guy jumps out of a window trying to escape Bats and he's running from him in the alleyways and oh man, the 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 coloring with this one is just amazing. This deep deep slate blues and purples. The Batman's just chasing him through the alleyway. The guy jumps in the sewer. All of a sudden, between the guy and Batman, uh, we appear Solomon Grundy, and that's well. He was born on Monday, so I mean. Uh. Now, uh, no, I, I have to admit, it's I love how they incorporated Solomon Grundy in this one because you don't usually do that, do you? Like you have all the other rogues, but he, it, it just fits the theme of Halloween to me because Solomon Grundy's kind of like this Frankenstein type character, isn't he? It it kind of confused me because this holiday was the Thanksgiving episode i would have understood it more if he was in the halloween but i don't know this i'll be honest the the inclusion of grundy in this story kind of confused me but maybe (laughs) i think it was to set up you know later on down the road but i was just like it just kind of threw me off well you know what they i think they want to throw you off anyway don't they just the same way with the pacifiers and harvey dent and and all you know that's why i think the long Halloween can feel so addictive in such a page turner because they want to keep throwing you in different directions and want you to try to figure out what's going to happen next. So, um. Man, I love the page where you see Bat hit his fucking face, dude. He gets such a solid punch like, in it. You it can, just you don't can, really phase him. That's on page 10 of issue <laughs> 2. Uh, Bat, you could feel that punch. Batman just rams his fist <laughs> yes, into Grundy's yes. face. And Grundy's just standing there <laughs> pissed off with a bloody nose like... Um, you motherfucker! Yeah, so then he gets him. He, he gets bats like in a bear hug, and they go at it for a little. I, I, I don't, I'm not too certain what bats does to get out of it. He puts something on his nose, and then Grundy just like disappears into the shadows or something. Just gives him a noogie. Yeah, so you know he uses his one of his uh, little tricks out of his trusty utility belt to, I was yeah. gonna say he grabbed something out of his uh, utility maybe belt maybe it was an M&M I think it might have been a peanut M&M like here go away no peanut butter no, M&M no it was probably plain that really fucked him up because <laughs> if it was peanut well, I mean the panel maybe he has a peanut allergy oh. 
<laughs> yes. I don't know. The panel's kind of lit up like he uses some kind of like electric shock thing. So maybe that's what he did. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. Do, it does illuminate yeah. a little. Yeah. Dude, Granny's got a big ass fucking cranium, don't he? Oh, I, I thought you were going somewhere else there. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, he captures Mickey. Who's the prime suspect in the uh, Harvey Dent house bombing? Then it cuts over. We had Carmine Falcone and um, his sister Carla, right? Okay. And they're going at it. Alberto's in the background, which is. Um, Alberto is the good son of Carmine Falcone, isn't he? The straight shooter. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going at it in the kitchen. And then it cuts Another back. Another Godfather moment, though, is how he is telling them how he's making that. That food, you know, the the guy in Godfather, I forgot his name. Right. But he, he he's showing Al Pacino how to make it or whatnot. I love that. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, then it cuts back to the scene in the in the, the jail cell, which is great because uh, um, if you guys are on page 16, Tim Sale's use of light in this scene is just so perfectly noir. I love it. The way the bars are just draped. On the bottom of the uh, floor, and I kind of yes, and I I'm just, I love it because I'm just always looking for foreshadows. You know, you're always looking for these little things in the mix that he might drop. Um, well, that's what I was talking about with cell style. I mean, he, he doesn't you know use a lot of. I mean, he he creates a lot of shadow, but you have to look for those little small details because he'll put clues in there or that, just small little details to to. Fine. Actually, this foreshadow on page uh, 16 is actually right in front of us. If you look at the bottom panel, they're all laughing, aren't they? But yes. But, yeah. but look at how they drew the um, the, the letters H A H A. That kind of looks in a similar way that we would see someone else laughing throughout the Batman mythos, doesn't it? I mean, namely the Joker. You know, a, a regular person laughs and says yeah. "ha ha" in a world bu- word bubble. But they're all laughing. Oh, and yeah, fucking sweet. So they all confess to the crime of blowing up Harvey Dent's house. Now they uh, pretty much know that they're taking the fall. But well, this was really clever where they sent Mickey back down to the cell with the other Irish criminals. But it wasn't really Mickey, was it? No. Yeah, this I love it. They actually had Harvey Dent wearing uh, a mask to resemble Mickey just to get some more information. Which I thought was really cool. Which kind of resembles that he's a two-face. Right, exactly. And uh, Yeah, they, uh, they have a couple panels where it said, we've only begun to learn the truth. And it's like, hey, who turned out the lights? And the very next panel is like, everything all right? And he's like, sure, boyo. But the shadow in the, in the, the second panel is just a couple inches taller than the first panel. So. <laughs> you know, excellent observation. I love that LPC. Because... I, for a second, I was trying to figure out what just happened as well, and it just didn't. You don't think about it, right? You to, while you're reading, you're like, "No, right, you, you have to go. That? You have to go back to that." And that is so cinematic as well, especially the way uh, he is a little taller in the second panel after the light goes back on. So you know what's even more interesting is uh, if you look at the silhouette of the cop, it's totally yep. different. Yeah. And he has that little light there, so you can gauge it too. I mean, it's on the right on the first panel, and then. Two panels later, it's on the left, so you have something for scale in the, in the panels. Right, exactly. Harvey, so Harvey comes back up. <clears throat> Basically, um, they all confessed, and they all made, made bail really quick, didn't they? They were out of jail in no time, because nothing, I guess nothing could stick. <laughs> I like how they say, an hour put it in writing. says less than an hour. And this, and on page 19, is real, I, I love how they did this as well. You have a... 
Bats looking down at them leaving the jail cell, uh, leaving the precinct. And then you have Harvey Dent sitting next to his wife in the hospital after they got blown up in the house. And then Gordon at home. Yeah, Gordon at home looking at um, dinner on the table because his wife went to sleep. And you know, just another day at the office, really grim. If you're one, if you could also consider it a, a Gordon story, it's almost like Long Halloween could also be considered a, a Dent story. Oh, a lot of people consider it a, a Two-Face Harvey oh, Dent yeah. story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you have uh, the next scene where Batman leaves a Thanksgiving dinner in the uh, sewers, and then you see Solomon <laughs> Grundy take Turkey it. Turkey ball shout-outs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you go back to um, these Irish thugs all toasting to the Roman, I guess, to, you know, after getting out of jail. And then, it, and then everything goes black and white again. Pretty much Holiday comes in. The unknown serial killer known as Holiday comes in. And... Shoots them all down, kills them, and leaves um, the gun behind. With, uh, with uh, what's that called? The cornucopia, or something? That yeah, cornucopia. Good cornucopia yeah. to symbolize Thanksgiving on the table. So, and then, well, I love that it's in color. That's so. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, right. that's the only thing that's in color. Yeah. Well, the the page prior to that, after uh, Batman leaves a plate of Thanksgiving food in the sewer. Um, you know, Batman's kind of talking. He's like, you know, I'm almost finished with my patrol. Uh, couldn't wonder if, you know, the Roman's grip got any, you know, get any tighter around Gotham City. And it's like, will there be anything thankful for the coming year? And as he's swinging away, and then the next panel is, ah, you know, the, the Irish guy is laughing. They made a bell in less than an hour. Mm. I love the panel where it shows him swinging, dude. That is fucking sick. Yeah, ex- excellent. That's so good. Where it's like gold black. Right. Page 21 of issue two. Um, excellent use of lighting and shape. The shapes and design of it's really, really extreme. Just really art, you know? It's not, it's just so artful. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have to abide to realism or whatever they they do today it's just fine art you know his cape flaring out everywhere creating a bat just tim sale tim sale just really really thought this out well i know what gordon is implying that my presence somehow attracts these men and women to my city jim gordon is a good man He and the police do the best they can with limited resources. But Gotham City needs Batman to protect her. Jeff Loeb, The Long Halloween, Chapter 3, Christmas. Issue 3 with the Joker entitled Christmas. And if you look on the cover, I don't know if you guys got your books out, it's just brilliant. You have the Joker on his throne, right? This Christmas throne that Santa Claus would usually sit on. And... On the bottom, on the floor, you have presents, gift wrapped, you know, gift wrapped with bat symbols bat on them. Bat symbols. <laughs> exactly. That's so fucking good. So good. Yes. Just everything about this. And, and and if you look at the image, it's like it's drawing you into the steps where the Joker is, you know, if you look at it from that perspective. and He's almost sitting on Santa's chair. No, yeah, exactly. Santa's chair. <laughs> And you know, that, that white background with with the, with the yeah. green and red is just uh, yeah, it's a very well thought out issue. Issue number three, entitled Christmas, from the Batman: The Long Halloween. You open this book up, and again, you have this page that's just gonna draw you in right away. And you see the back of Joker, and you see him holding up a newspaper, 
singing a holiday song, Winter Wonderland. <laughs> and, and the headlines are reading, Holiday Killer Stalks Gotham, Who is Holiday? So now we have a name for the serial killer, and we have the Joker in one image. So now we're now things are just really getting what the fuck is going on? You know, like everything is just climaxing, isn't it? So you really want to know what's going to happen next in this. And if you turn the page, you see Joker just ripping up the newspaper, putting on his grim well, face and saying, "I hate well, that song." <laughs> Well, he's well, he's fucking pissed that someone else is getting the headlines. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, well, um, compared to the first two issues, I mean, you had a lot of darks, a lot of black shadows, but I mean, throughout this issue, I mean, the, the white just pops out. It I does. Mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. It pops. The colors, the very vibrant, saturated colors with the yeah. greens and the purples. Um, oh right, yeah, just just uh. Just so but good. You know what? It's 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 pretty cool. Like the, like you said, the first page, <clears throat> it's him sitting at the desk. It's like almost the reverse of like the '89 scene with Joker reading the paper. Like, wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is that's a great point. Absolutely. We'll have to mention that in the next uh, Jack Appreciation Day. <laughs> 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 Just wake up any old day. Yeah. Need to Bob the Goon Day. Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number it's gonna one be guy. on the first because he's number one. Yes, which is today. What Bob the Goon Day today? <laughs> Check his wallet. <laughs> From the alleyway scene. <laughs> so, in another classic scene, you turn the page again to page number four, page number four of issue three of the Long Halloween, and what do we have? We have the Joker. Stealing Christmas presents from a family, <laughs> Christmas tree so, and every, so Christmas tree and everything. He's it's just they're um, wrapped up in lights. They're wrapped up. The, the family's wrapped up in Christmas lights as the Joker leaves with a sack <laughs> of presents and the Christmas tree, and he's singing. He, he's singing a um, a Christmas song or a Christmas jingle. <laughs> isn't that the Grinch who stole Christmas? Isn't I'd have to look. I, I don't know, but I'd have to look again. It might be, but what I, uh, I it almost sounds like it rhymes throughout when he's talking. If you guys look in the third panel of this page, even the Joker's shadow is smiling. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. I, I I love I love the axe he used to uh, kick in the door with. There's an axe in the door that the. <laughs> I mean, this is this is Joker. You could understand. In this book, you could understand that Jeff Loeb really understands the Joker. It's Tim Sale as well. This is the Joker we all know and love. And yeah, he's just trooping out of the house in the snow to his pink Joker mobile. A purple convertible in the snow, driven by the Joker. Seriously. Oh, that's fucking great. And so the next page is Christmas Eve in Gotham City. And we're taken right to Arkham Asylum. So on page five of issue three... Oh man, this is unbelievable. Now look, he's oh, and then, you know, I just noticed this now, but Gordon he's walking past fucking scarecrows and poison ivy. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just noticed that. So uh, in this scene, Arkham Asylum, in the wintertime snowfall, uh, Batman and Commissioner Gordon are walking past Jonathan Crane and Pamela Lilly and Isley's cell, Scarecrow and Poison Ivy's cells, and the way 
Tim Sale has drawn Arkham Asylum is really dark and eerie and almost gothic, almost medieval. I love it with the the wrapping round hallways and the bricks and the cell after cell. This is this is a really interesting part too because they're they they arrived to speak with Calendar Man. Because they need some advice about this serial killer known as Holiday. Because, you know, you think about calendars and dates and you think about holidays. And the dialogue between them is so eerie. I love it. Because Calendar Man is a, he's kind of a quack himself, isn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's a few M&M short of a bag. <laughs> <laughs> short of a perch pack. <laughs> uh, I, I like his involvement uh, where he illustrates for them how much trouble they could be uh, looking at uh, with the number of holidays that are coming up in the next month. Right, right. Oh. <laughs> he mentions Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray's going to get killed in that one, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. And this, this, I mean, you know that Rocksteady totally ripped this scene out for Arkham City. Yeah, oh, yeah they took a lot from uh, Long Halloween as well. I love what he says, tomorrow is the big day. She'll be killing again. Just uh, the way he said that, just eerie. And Batman asks, oh, you think it's a woman? Then he goes, because he likes attention. So he's going back and forth with the gender. Yeah. And uh, then he's going through some more. Lincoln's birthday, Washington's birthday, President's Day. And Gordon's pretty sure that they'll catch the killer by then. <laughs> There's a lot of hopelessness between, uh, going on during this dialogue as well. Because they just they realize they're just dealing with a madman, but but he does he does make some solid points that we might see in the future. At that point, when I first read that, I just that to me kind of showed that Calendar Man maybe understood that it's not just one person that's doing this, and we'll we'll get into it once we read later on. That's a good point, actually. Never, very good point. What what do you guys think about the shape of Batman's cape in uh, yeah. on page seven? That's sick. It's wild, man. Beautiful. That looks like a moon in the back of his cape, doesn't it? And the cape almost looks like uh, oh, yeah. trees, maybe, or branches. So on Christmas Eve, we're taken back to Maroni's Italian restaurant. <laughs> we we love this scene, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> fucking spaghetti, Dick. He's fucking sleeping. <laughs> uh, you know this... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it because you have mystery and drama and action and comedy in The Long Halloween. Yep. And, yeah, you do. And in this scene, you have a lot of comedy because we have um, – that's Maroney, isn't it? Maroney and Toots. Maroney and Toots. So all of a, all of a sudden, Toots – oh, man, you have to look at this. On page 8 of issue 3 – of Long Halloween, you just gotta see this. It's just a stare. Toots just starts laughing uncontrollably, even painfully. And uh, that's classic Joker once again, because he's just laughing more and more. And then he kind of like irks as if his heart stops, and his face just slams into a bowl of, until a pl- into a plate of spaghetti with, with that stiff, frozen grin on his face. <laughs> and then in the next panel, you have the Joker coming in a waiter's outfit, holding what appears I mean, to be just, a bottle. Go on. Just the way his face looks is so like, sadistic and it's exactly. so fucking cool. And, and the guy calls him a clown. Mind you, it's year two, so I think people are still starting to get familiar with 
all these characters, including the Joker, everything's really brand new. So him calling him a clown is probably not going to be the best idea for him. So he pulls a handgun from his blazer, doesn't he? Well, I love, I love the fact that, you know, as terrifying as Joker is, he always infuses comedy kind of into his, his, whatever he's doing, his shtick, you know? And, like, he pulls the gun out and he's like, mine's bigger. <laughs> he pulls out a, a cannon gun. <laughs> he puts it to his head. <laughs> Oh man, that can that gun by the way, I think it comes with the ag- the long Halloween action figure for the Joker, doesn't it, Gramps? Yes, sir. It does. <laughs> I gotta grab that tomorrow now. <laughs> I just love it. I love that figure, man. It's so funny. I like to put it under my Christmas tree. Yeah. It's classic. <laughs> so he Joker's under the impression that Maroni is holiday, and that's why he's uh, you know, mm-hmm. in the restaurant, the guy Maroney denies being Holiday, and Joker wants to know who Holiday is. And then it cuts over um, <laughs> right, right outside in the alleyway, or is it in the front? It looks like the alleyway where they're putting uh, Toots's body in the trunk, oh. and Toots still has that grin on. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 he trunks him. <laughs> Wait, I think actually I think that's Scott carrying his legs right there. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah blow some in. I was gonna say that's a nice sized trunk you got there, man. You can fit two bodies in there. Oh, beautiful. They they they, they throw Toots' body in the trunk. He's like, what the fuck are all these toys in here for? Lots of crates in here. <laughs> <laughs> I just found it interesting that Joker was doing his own detective work to find out who Holiday was, just like Batman's trying to do. Oh, I love when people I love when people write the Joker that way where he's seeking out answers for himself and getting down to business because the Joker has different ways of obtaining information than Batman does obviously. So, it's always fun to see him going after, you know, what he wants to know. Yeah, I really like the way they did that as well. With a fucking cannon gun. Joker also has very different uh, motivations for seeking out who uh, the holiday killer is. Uh, Mm. While Batman is doing it for his obvious reasons, Joker's interest comes from the fact that he doesn't want someone else uh, running this kind of racket in his town. Exactly. (laughs) The Joker has always been that way, and especially when it comes to uh, murder mayhem, criminal mischief. It's Mm. like the Joker needs to be... In charge, you know, that sheriff in that town. And, and it's interesting to see the Joker's attention diverted from Batman as well, you know. But then again, we are in year two, so everything is still still fresh anyway. But well, my question to you guys is what do you think of that panel, the bottom panel on page 10 in issue number three? Uh, I just love that profile pic of Batman going at the two henchmen in Maroney's. Yeah. And the, the way the snow oh, is that going. when he lands on the trunk? Even though you can't see a lot, but you can tell his expression. I mean, you can't see his mouth, but his eyes, just the way it's drawn. Mm. And then the look on the, the look on the two goons' face is like, holy fuck, you know. Definitely yeah. shit their pants at that moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's so great. <laughs> and then uh, Maroney comes out to see what's going on. And he's actually pulling a gun out on Batman. And Batman pretty much what appears to be smack, smacks his face or smacks it out of his hand and says, for a smart man, that was not a very bright move. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm just thinking man, that's so Batman. <laughs> yeah. 
what Maroney says is like, you know, enough of this already. You know, like you're a guy wearing a costume. I'm tired of this. You know, he explains later about the Joker, but you know, give, paying him a visit. But you know, he's just a gangster. He's tired of these costume freaks to, or you know, take, be taken over the city or in his in his city. Right, and then we were mentioning earlier about the influence that this book has had on the Dark Knight trilogy. In the next panels, Batman is asking, what went on here tonight? And then the guy goes, some guy calls himself the Joker. I mean, that sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Now, did did Loeb get any, like, writing credit? I don't think so. I don't think so either, because DC owns all of this, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I I would think uh, the fact that everything that anyone contracted to to any comic company anything that they write that gets published is then the property of the publisher right yeah so it's all dc so, you know, yeah yeah exactly hmm. but yeah you know the everyone who knows knows of course he mentions the joker and bats asks what's what's his connection to holiday and he goes how should i know he's a lunatic like you this yep. this whole town is this whole town is full of lunatics ever since you came lunatics and I was just like oh that's so great that's so year too that's those three pages are just gorgeous with the different tones of blue and everything yeah no falling yeah. it's, uh, it's just great looking man absolutely just gorgeous and then g- moving right along we have um, Gilda returns home in a wheelchair after Harvey Dent's house was blown up. and what this is really cool because the new house they move into looks like a little Christmas cottage. I love it. It's just yeah, it looks like, like a gingerbread house. It, it looks yeah, it looks immediate. like <laughs> it was waiting for Rich to see. <laughs> Take a bite out of the side of the wall and shit. But you know, all right, so basic. So Harvey Dent carries his wife into their new home after she returns from the hospital after their old house got blown up, and she goes upstairs. And then this is such an another fucking great scene is where Harvey Dent walks into the living room and you have the Joker there with a, a Santa hat on putting up a fucking Christmas tree. Like, I mean, wow. I like that in the panel before that, Harvey knows someone's in the house. Let me he see. tells yeah. to go upstairs and uh, she was like, be right back. And he's like, take your time. He knows someone. Actually, on page yeah. 14, if you look at the bottom yeah. left panel, you can see footprints on the, on the carpet. Yeah. yeah. Good, good observation. And Harvey just, Harvey just can't catch a break. He goes from his house getting blown up. He brings his Harvey discovers the Joker putting up a Christmas tree in his living room, and he pretty much goes straight at him. Gets a few punches in too before the Joker pretty much uh, says that he's good, but he's no Batman, and has him on the floor before he knows it. I, I always felt that uh, Joker was letting him. Yeah, of course. You get those shots because he says, you know, you're good, but you're no Batman. And the Joker says this town isn't big enough for two homicidal maniacs. That's an interesting line for him to say to uh, Harvey Dent, isn't it? Two homicidal maniacs. Just the word, the emphasis on two in the bold font, foreshadowing maybe what he is to become. There's been a little bit of that in, you know, the pages we discussed too, like the... uh... The one that stands out most is the, they open the door of the warehouse, I guess, and it's just piles of money. Right. And he's like, you know, shit, makes you wonder if you can get away with it. And Batman's like, don't. Yeah. And, like, it just, you know, you, you kind of see his little hands throughout the dialogue. You're like, you know, Harvey's, you know, he got a little second questioning to him in certain uh, instances. The Joker's 
going to town on this issue. He leaves Harvey Dent's house. He arrives at the Roman's penthouse, Carmine Falcone's penthouse, and uh, Falcone's pretty much sleeping in his bed. Uh, before we even get into that, uh, that, that uh, on the panel on page 18, when, uh, when Falcone's in bed, there's some interesting pa- pattern in yellow, what appears to be his headboard. I don't know if you guys can make out that imagery. It almost looks like a a bumblebee or an ant or some kind of insect. I'm not too sure. Was, oh, yeah. You know, I was wondering what your guys' thoughts were on that one. I didn't even notice that. I noticed he said bomb three times like Candyman, hoping something's going to appear in that in that panel. Hmm. <laughs> bong, bong, bong. So, I thought he was that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the Joker. He's so Carmine Falcone in the bed. He's like, wakey, wakey. He goes, Falcone, you find this holiday or I'll kill everyone in Gotham City until I find him. I mean, that's that's really straight. Yeah, that's evil. That's really straightforward for the Joker, man. He is He's on a mission to find out who this holiday killer is. Just really, really intense. Yeah, he just, he just goes right to the top and makes a threat. I seriously, literally, <laughs> to the top of the penthouse, right? Just yeah. Uh, the, the panel before that, when the Joker's on top of him saying "Wakey, wakey," it looks like that he's cut, almost like making a small cut on his neck with a Joker card. Yeah, he is. With the card, yes. yeah. Um, and then um. Again, you could tell his face that you could tell that Falcone's pissed. Yeah, like, Falcone is really pissed. On my bed. Yeah, it's not Batman though. You know, the Joker has no limitations. So, so we're on page nineteen. Joker's still reciting holiday lyrics or whatnot, and um, he's leaving the building. Seven seventy seventy Falcone. That's the address. And then some guy comes out with a handgun, and boom, he just lets a shitload of Joker cards fly towards him. That's going to hurt. So the guy's kind of, like, disoriented, isn't he? You see him pull away in the car. In, in the background, Joker's pulling away in the car as this guy's just trying to get his head together after getting, you know, floored with all of these Joker cards. But now we go back to black and white again, don't we? Yes. And you see the gun actually reaching in. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's yes. so good. Yes, you see the gun. After the Joker pulls away, Holiday shows up and kills this, um, what appears to be a Falcone henchman in front of the building and leaves a snow globe to symbolize the holiday that we know of as Christmas <laughs> in color. That's in color. That's the so good, too. With, yeah. The, the, the last, the, last the, the, the panel in the bottom right corner, the, the, as, the, as the mobster is dying, he's giving him the middle finger. Well... Not on purpose, but... <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> and basically, we have Joker cards on the floor with a snow globe and the gun with the silencer. So it's almost symbolic for the Joker and Holiday going at it in terms of who's terrorizing Gotham the most. And uh, you got Batman showing up looking at the Joker card. And uh, he says, have a Merry Christmas, Joker. It will be your last. So, uh, and do you guys, uh, whatever book you're looking at, in the next page, do you have where Dent, Gordon, and Bats are looking at the, uh, the Roman Empire, the breakdown of the Roman Empire with the crime family? It's in the single no. issue. I don't know if I guess they didn't put it in the absolute. Maybe they put it in the back. No, I don't have that. All right, so it's in the single issue, and uh, it's cool. It just it pretty much just breaks down the crime family tree of the Roman Empire and uh, Maroni. And the Gazzo family from Metropolis, the Sullivan family in Gotham City, and the Skeevers family in Gotham City. So, 
So just so many layers of crime and uh, mayhem that they have to go through in this one. But, you know, we read it the other night. We were all, um, everyone got their trades or their absolutes out and breaking it down. And it's amazing everything we talked about, how, how quick it felt when you're reading it, didn't it? Almost like watching a movie. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, and it's hard to not continue reading. So hard not to continue reading. Stay to stop on issue three and it's like, oh. <laughs> I know, it's, like, uh, it's yeah. like, it's like only closing the trunk halfway or opening the trunk halfway. Right? <laughs> I almost kept reading past issue three when I was rereading to to prepare for tonight mm. and I, uh, if I if I read past it then I knew that with it fresh in my mind I would be talking about stuff you know from issue five issue six while we were trying to skip uh, <laughs> trying yeah. to keep to, to the first the same way. Mm, it happens. It's hard to just stop reading it. Yeah, it's like whenever I put somebody on to the Long Halloween, they usually go through it in one sitting. It's just they can't they can't stop turning the pages. You know, it's just it keeps it keeps bringing you into it more and more. Yeah. You know, and with every yeah. issue, more more things evolve. You know, so just... that was uh, that's actually the first time I ever sat down and read this was you know shortly enough last year when you started doing the countdown. For Long Halloween to Halloween on yeah. your uh, IG page, yeah. dude, so brilliant because, like you said, I mean, it's cool because what, thirteen issues? Yeah, thirteen issues. Yeah, and you know, I I sat down, I read, you know, issue one the first time. I'm like, oh fuck, this is great. And then just the, the deeper you get into it, you're like, shit, I cannot wait till tomorrow. You know? Yeah, it's it's one of those. Even the way the, the single issues are designed, it's it, it's it's a self-contained episode in each one. Moving on to the next one, it feels like you know the way it, it, it's just formatted so brilliantly by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale that that it, it just it, uh, it really sucks it, you into the story. Between the, the art and how easy it is to write, and like the content of the dialogue, you're just it's it's just a page turner. It is, and for oh. some reason, Jeff Loeb just knows how. He knows how to say a lot by saying so little. He doesn't really need mm. that many words to really get this story across. Which well, is one. And that actually, um, you know, compliments sales. You know, the uh, compliments the artwork with, you know, you don't with more expressions and, you know, the angles, the, the coloring. Right. I don't think any other artist could have really handled the story the way Sale did. I think Sale was just the perfect fit to, to draw this thing cinematically. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. And thanks again, everyone, for reading along with us in the first three issues of the masterpiece known as The Long Halloween. Tune in next episode as we continue to go through this epic drama in Gotham. Happy October, everyone.